Welcome to Conductor's Brew. Good morning, Matt. Good to see you. And, by the way, uh-oh, this is a banner day. Because, Matt, where are we? We're in the backyard. We're in the backyard. Oh, this is true. This is, uh, this is, this is the first time we have changed locations. So, thank you, uh, and uh, uh, it's good to be in the backyard with you today. Well, good morning, Larry. It's good to be back with you here. And, yes, the backyard this morning, uh, the sub-50 degree temperatures made it sort of necessary to sit in the sun. At least for a time. Yeah, and yeah. I, I got to tell you, I this is this is what I've been waiting for. This is what all the whining in the summer has been building up to, is me getting to uh, to sit in a cool environment, and even in the sun, it feels nice. So, and you're probably going to get too warm over there if I know you. Yeah, well, yeah, I've already peeled off the coat and I'm down <laughs> and I'm down to the sweater, but uh, I, th I think I think I'll be okay for the time. But yeah, it's uh, oh, it's so nice. Fall is here. The leaves are changing. Uh, you know, it's gorgeous. Can't complain. No. I can't complain anymore, which is a little sad for me because I do enjoy whining about the weather. Well, so. we have other things to complain about. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll find something else. I don't. I don't think that's a problem. Well, um, we've got our crew back here. We with do. Us yeah, today. One thing this we is another crew day. I was going to say one thing we can't complain about is is having uh, Matt McKeever back in the studio. That's true. It's we, nice to be back here in person. In person. In persona. Yes, but Br but Brandon heard he was going to be back and decided he needed to, to not be here. Yeah. So Brandon Brandon is uh, is coming over Zoom. He, he couldn't he couldn't take a couldn't take being in the same yard. <laughs> it's very it's very sad how this is all deteriorating. Now, he and I see each other. You know, every day as it is. So. Yeah, you've, you've, you've kind of maxed your <laughs> level him a break. Of, of, of time spent in the same room. No, uh, Brandon is joining us via Zoom, but we're glad to have you here too, Brandon. Well, should we? Thank get... you for having me join you through technology. Oh yes, oh the joys. Okay, go ahead, Matt. Yes. Let's, shall we let's... get right into the coffee? Let's then. do the coffee. Yes. So today I've been on a on a you know as you know I, as you all know I've been on a coffee kick, and today is another Trader Joe's day. And I think out of the two Trader Joe's bags that I bought recently, this is my favorite. Oh yeah? It's the Honduras Colibri Esmeralda, which is a light roast, uh, small lot. And it is, uh, well, I've done it three different ways, again. So I've got a regular drip coffee, which I'm drinking right now. And it's delicious, it tastes like blueberries and chocolate. So even with the drip, you're you're, yeah. get, you're getting the the subtleties. Mm -hmm. Are we gonna do another taste test? Yeah. Ooh, oh, ooh. so and you got the siphon out. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. Yes, we've got okay, so yeah, you two, you you, Larry and Matt have the French press. And you can taste the drip when you're whenever you'd like. And then the siphon is just finished brewing. And so that's ready to sample as well. Okay. So All right. so which would you prefer to have next? I'll take a little drip. A little drip. Alright. Alright, there you go. Kiever's going for the traditional it's gonna drip. go down. I uh you know, I'm I'm gonna go for the mountaintop. I'm gonna go up instead of down oh, in this uh, in this tasting uh Tasting endeavor. So give, give me some of that siphon there. All right, siphon coming right All up right. to Larry. Matt's coming with the drip. Matt, I'm curious about how it tastes different than the French press to you. You know, it's less it's less fruity. Really? Yeah, it's less fruity than the French press. You get more of the the dark chocolate. I think you get a little more of the honey um, as well. Um, but the uh, the the berry flavor, even if it's even if it's a little uh, prominent in yours, is a little less than uh, than the French press. And that was, you know, I, I discovered that uh, last week is that the, the the French press got more of the more of the flavor. And and I got my siphon now, 
And if uh, past this prologue, this is going to have a little bit of meat flavor to it. Really? Right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Last time it, I, it tasted like turkey, which I don't know a, what that was all about. But I imagine that's a little disconcerting for a vegetarian. It was, but it was <laughs> it was strangely nostalgic and warmed my heart a bit. Because we are getting on to Thanksgiving, so I'm not going to actually have turkey. Well, but. you can always just make siphon coffee instead of having a chicken or a turkey for Thanksgiving. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, this is still the best. You, you think this, so? I got to get me one of these. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, and it doesn't yeah. taste like turkey, but there is definitely a more robustness to the flavor. I, I well, I'm, yeah, I maintain that it's the it's the best way to taste all of the coffee bean itself. Yeah, it really is yeah. good. You just got you just got to make sure you don't accidentally set your stove on yes, fire. Yes, I had a bit of a mishap <laughs> this morning before we began. Uh, I am using a camp stove uh, with you know propane, little propane tank, and. Uh, I've got the siphon brewer on the camp stove. Now, this particular brewer, the stand, is built to be used with a uh, Bunsen burner or some other small flame source. Like a sterno, maybe? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, the wind must have been pushing the flame in the right direction because I looked over and realized that I had a bit more smoke <laughs> on the coffee maker, on the siphon, that, than I, than steam I really anymore. wanted. It was Yeah, and, and then I thought, wood. wait a second, there shouldn't be any smoke. <laughs> So and it turned out the handle, the front of the handle had had caught a, a fire, yeah, uh, and I blew it out, so it was fine. Yeah, it, it was it was touch and go for a minute there, yeah. but uh, thankfully we, when you burn, this is the kind of you know brewing method that when you burn the handle, it doesn't burn the coffee too. Wow, yeah. there you go, coffee yeah. is safe, and yeah, that's all that safe. really matters. <laughs> all right, yeah. and no eyebrows were singed, so that's good. Yeah. So uh, once again, thank you for the delicious brew. Well, well hey, hang on, Larry. Hang oh, on. we're not done. I'm oh. looking for a bit more detail on, oh. on the difference between the French press oh and the okay. siphon. Yeah. It's it's got a creamier flavor to it. Mm. I, I want to say I want to say it's got a little bit of like a buttery kind of a oh. taste to it. Ooh. Oh so man, that's what that's what I got for you. I don't think I've had this siphon. Uh, I don't think I've had this variety within the siphon yet so I'm, I'm excited to taste I don't it. remember it doesn't have as much of a fruity flavor as the one you had last week mm. um, but uh, it's yeah I, I just mean my, my general comment is is that it does definitely bring more stuff out so okay. go for it if you got if, you, if you're so inclined it's worth it it's endorsed by conductors Brew, right, Matt, the siphon method. when you're ready for this let me know um, I'm I'm drinking this as fast as I can okay. because I, I don't I don't want that to be terribly cold when I when I get into it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Well, I can always make some more. There might be one more batch left in that batch. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to our our musically inclined nerd moments. Okay. And we can uh, we can revisit the coffee when McKeever yeah. is ready for his siphon brew. So uh, Matt, you want to go first? Sure. I have go a short first? one because yeah, okay. it's, it's yeah. Um, so I've been working on these uh, Copeland Old American songs with a with a chorus up in Evanston, Wyoming. They're doing a great job with them. We're doing uh, "Bought Me a Cat" a long time ago and "Simple Gifts." Gifts, gifts, gifts. Not simple gifts. Simple gifts. Simple gifts. Yep. Uh, it's the Appalachian bird. <laughs> simple gifts. Uh, you know what I've discovered though, Larry? Is these are harder than they look. They're yeah. not really rangy. Uh, but the arrangements are not Copeland's. They're, you know, Copeland wrote these originally for orchestra and or for piano and singer or orchestra and singer, solo singer. And so the chorus arrangements are a little awkward to sing sometimes, especially for the sopranos who jump octaves and weird like sixths and fifths all the time. So I'm actually having to change, change a bit of what we're doing. Uh, for instance, I Bought Me a Cat is pretty standard. Uh, in terms of its its instrumentation and singing, we're doing piano and chorus, but the poor sopranos have to like pop in on an offbeat, like high F kind of a thing, and so I'm just changing it so that all the all, all of us sing the the melody instead. 
some cheating. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah, we don't have a, we don't have a ton of time to learn them anyway. So we you know we've got a concert in two weeks, and we just learned I bought me a cat last night. They're well, doing that, a great job with forty minute rehearsals each week. You know that's but that's the job is you gotta you gotta figure out where you need to 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 make some modifications to make yeah. things happen. And that's that's what uh, that's what makes you a pro music director is you is you know where you, and and where you can do those things without doing damage to the music. You know true. So that's that's just the job. Well, it brings up some copyright <clears throat> issues, I suppose. If you know you're changing the, the mm. music, yeah, is that technically allowed? I don't think it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to weigh in on that officially, <laughs> uh, but, you know, yeah. We don't have to go there. That's that's right. my nerd moment. That's a good one. Yeah, thank that's you. That's a good one. And, and, and good luck with the cat. All right, so mine is a, mine's a bit of a throwdown nerd moment I um, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm going to bring back some controversy from last week. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. Because I, 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 I realized after I left, like almost immediately after I was driving away, that I missed in my argument about Beethoven one had to, to do the last four six thirty second notes going oh, into the Allegro. The first movement I missed introduction. The yeah. most obvious argument for my uh, my position. It oh, was really? right in front of my face. It was right in front of my face, and it, and it made me upset that in the heat of the moment, I couldn't I couldn't throw this down. So I have to bring it back today. Should I go get um, my score? Huh? Should I get my score? Or? You, you you can if you if you would like, or you can. I have mine here if you want to look at mine. Okay, well go ahead. All right, okay. So we all know. <clears throat> clear my throat here. We all know that the thirty second notes, if played in tempo, are slower than the sixteenth notes in the new tempo. Is there a tempo marking for the introduction? There is. And what is it? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's eighth note equals eighty eight. Okay. So this this is we're getting oh, in. Right. Here all we right. come. Here we go. Right. I think you might be see where I'm going with this. So the thirty second notes are definitely slower than the sixteenth notes, right? If you play them as exactly written, would uh, you agree? What's okay? Let me get my metronome out. Well, while you're doing that, okay. let me just tell you that they are. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so the thirty second notes uh, equal one eighth note, right? So four, so four thirty second notes equal one eighth note. That means in the space of time it play, takes to play those four thirty second notes, that would be eighty eight. Okay. You know, so it takes this four thirty second notes takes the space of exactly one eighth note. So, in terms of metronome marks, those four thirty second notes are in the space of eighty eight beats per minute. Da 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 da. Di da 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 di and four. Di da 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 dum. Bum bum. Yeah. Okay. So you with me on that? I'm with you. <clears throat> okay. Now the allegro is half note equals one twelve. Okay. Okay. And. The, those same four notes are, are now 16th notes in the new tempo. <clears throat> so that means they take up the space of a quarter note, right? Okay. So if you take 112 as, if, as uh, tempo marking, then that quarter note space of time is 224. Yeah. Quite a bit faster than 88. Right, so we, we all know that they're faster. But yeah. the argument goes is that Beethoven would have written would have if he could have written them to match the 16th notes he would have and mm -hmm. that the 32nd notes get you close and as you were mentioning it kind of looks fast and it, so might as well just make them match up you know fudge it a little bit how would he have written them if they were supposed to be identical well he, he i don't know if he would have i mean he could have split the bar or something like that but here's my point okay my point is is, is if he wanted to get them as close as possible to the 16th notes in the new tempo, he had a whole other level of subdivision he could have gone to to make them 
closer. It still wouldn't be. So if he wanted them to be fast, like the 16th notes, he could have written them as 64th notes. That's what I was just going to ask. In the new tempo, yep. in the old tempo, which would be, so if they were 64th notes, which would be twice as fast, instead of taking up a metronome mark of 88, it would take up 176. So still not even as fast as the 16th notes. But uh, it would be closer. And if he had done that, uh, you could maybe make a case, well, he, he got close. Uh, he got okay. close, but they're not quite fast enough. But since he had a whole other level of subdivision left available to him that he chose not to use, I think you got to do it as marked. All right. I think that's a persuasive argument. I, 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 I thought you would think so. And like I said, mm. it was like right there in the numbers. And I was like, why in the hell I think to say that? Yeah. But there no, it I didn't think of it to, to take it to the 64th note yeah. example. Because if they were, if they yeah. were. And, It'd still and, be slower all... than the 16th and the half note equals uh, 112. I'm sorry, say that again? They'd still be slower. Than, they would still be slower, the, but it would be tempo. closer. And you could make yeah. the argument, so like Beethoven uh, put the metronome marks in the earlier symphonies later. After, well, mm-hmm. Long after he'd written it. So right, you could maybe when, he, say, when well, he found the metronome. You know, when he originally wrote it, he, you know, intended for them to be about the same. And then when he put the metronome marks, he wasn't thinking about that. And he didn't care that they didn't exactly match, <clears> but it's close enough. But since there was like yeah. that whole other level of subdivision left available, I don't think I don't think you you can you can say that yeah. he got close. But uh, yeah, go ahead. I've got I've got another thought here, which I think lends credence further credence to your argument. Okay, which is that he could have written this last part in the new tempo. One two one two. Precisely, he could have already gone into the alabrev and the the cut time. That's another. That's another mm, way you could have yeah. done it. I was actually just going to ask another question. So, if we choose to do this, at you know, in, in how you just sang it, yeah, you know, the, the the faster faster tempo, you know, playing them as going into it. Do you treat da 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 dee da 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 da? Do you treat that long note in the old tempo, or do you? Use the dum to set up the new tempo. Is it dum 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 or faster? Well, I I would do it faster anyway. So I'm not sure. But wait, but so, yeah, so you're so asking how, like, with, from a movement perspective, in, instead of using the pickup, dum in the old tempo and then move directly to the new tempo on the downbeat mm-hmm. do you use those pickups to set up the new tempo no I th- I don't think you need to ah uh, yeah because because here this is why I, I think I said this last oh week. yeah this was a, yeah. all you need is beat 2 to show the 16th notes yep so so this is not going to play on the radio but so dee da da dee da 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 dee da 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 dum bum ba dum so you get yeah. 1 and then 2 you know, yeah. the, dif- the distance between one and two gives them the tempo they need for the 16th. Maybe, that's all they need. maybe conductors can't do it. And so that's why. Oh, they, you <laughs> think so? <laughs> you think that might be why it maybe. happens? Maybe. Maybe they're just like, oh, just give a pickup in time and just play it faster. Maybe. Yeah, but they... they all, it's yeah, wrong. Well, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, fully, I fully understand it is a little tricky, but if you work with your group and they know what to look for and they know to look for that beat two in the, the second beat of the first measure of the Allegro, they'll be able to place the 16th notes. You know, yeah. I think that's true. I actually think that Matt, I think that Matt made a really, really good argument 
when he was talking about the um yeah the I like that even better. Well, that he could that he could have that he could have changed changed into the Olibrev earlier. Yep. On that instead instead of making yeah. a dotted half quarter. Because half. now yeah. I'm now I'm I'm really thinking really thinking of Fidelio Overture. Let's make another one. And how he um you know he sets up the new tempo. Um, you know, like without without really changing the feel, the faster tempo, without changing you know anything really from the slower, and then it, set, it sets it up for two bars, and then you have the yeah. the horn, bum ba dum bum ba dum ba da 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 dee da dum. He could he could have done that. Yeah, it was in his wheelhouse to do and, so. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's why I was saying I was like, you know. If he wanted to do it, there was ways. I, Matt's what he brought up is, <clears throat> I think, is even would be even more of a solid way to do it. Yep. Because then there would be no doubt about it. Yep. Um, but the other thing is, like, like I said last week, it's kind of like a jokey hiding thing, you know. Um, and and we were talking about that, that. Well, you know, last week was so much about how Haydn influenced so much Beethoven, it influenced Beethoven so much as yep. his teacher. So I don't know. And it's it, plus it's 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 on the page. It's the, it's the ink, you know. I I tend to just default to the ink unless I've got a. I got a good reason not to do it. So, where you know, did Matt I, go? Uh, I think he's making some more scythe. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to butt in here for a second. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Brandon, Brandon thing, I was about to toss to you anyway. I, I've, you know, obviously there's there's opinions on both sides of that. Um, but I question the figuration of the fast notes leading into a dotted half note. That then is pretty prevalent throughout the Allegro section. Right. So really, that figuration is sort of following the new pattern that he's setting up that he uses throughout the Allegro because we don't have that anywhere else during that introduction. That's true. I know. And so I I kind of lean more towards the faster tempo just because that's part of the new figuration. I, I you know and I totally get that and that's and I think that's the, you know the strongest argument for it. But what I what yeah. I go back to is that. He, rhythmically, he could have he could have gotten closer he could have if he wanted to do it. Sure. So that see that shows me intention. And the other thing is, I, I really just think it's it's supposed to be like a little humorous. Like he's he's intentionally doing it, quote unquote, wrong to make a joke. Maybe. Another hitch yeah. This. So I know, but this but this you know, and this is this is just me. And uh, what I'm looking so does at. that does that mean, Larry, that if, if all of a sudden one of us does this symphony and you attend and we do it faster, you're just going to be like, ah, and get up. And I eat. will throw something, but I won't throw anything really heavy. <laughs> He's going to pack some tomatoes. Yeah. Well, he, no, here, no, no, no. Here's another consideration. I, 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 by, by the way, I love these, these, these nerdy debates about Beethoven's <laughs> is, is tempos. Is this perhaps just My a favorite. convention of the classical era? Yeah. You didn't use 64th notes? Say again? Did you, they didn't, did they not use 64th notes all that frequently? I don't know, know how that frequently, they but I think okay. So they, they knew it was right. a thing. Well, maybe Beethoven was just inexperienced at that time. Uh, it's his first symphony. Uh, <laughs> I you know, a lot of music before this, though. <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, is it, you know, he wrote twenty things before this. Twenty yeah. published things before this. Exactly. Yeah, he was, and he was thirty. Was, he wasn't was like, like a like a like a junior composer. This at is that Opus point. twenty-one. Oh. he was a yeah. He was so at least twenty things. At least twenty things. <laughs> Yeah, so I yeah I mean mm, yeah I yeah. tend I tend not to 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 to, to put okay. a lot of stock like I'll, people I'll, say I'll about the metronome marks like 
oh, he didn't really know what he was doing. I'm like, I kind of think he knew what he was doing. He probably knew. Yeah, what I'm he looking was doing. for the auto- I'm looking for the autograph score to see what's going on. Here. All right, Brandon, oh. you you get on that, and we can throw down about this next week, or or the next time you're on. Uh, so, yeah, sounds so good. I'm I I uh, I'm, I'm I'm accepting all comers uh, in this debate. So. Um, Anyway, that was my that was that really went on for a bit, but uh, I'm, that's I'm, good. I'll tell you this: I'm I'm really excited, hopefully for the possibility of, of moving through the the symphonies this way. Oh yeah, um, we're gonna do it because uh, there's there's so much to say. Yeah, always. We were we're, we're gonna we're gonna come back uh, between now and in December. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit them all. I hope that you. I mean, I think that it was you know, uh, you you can you can kind of sort of do one and two in 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 one. In one podcast, yeah, I really hope that from from then on out, there's just a, a a longer bit of time to just kind of like move through each one. We uh, we will we will definitely give 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 some of the other ones a bit more time we, as as, we might, as we, necessary. We might need we might need um you know a full we might need two podcasts for three. Oh my! Oh man! To be real, the thing is monumental. <laughs> You're gonna need more than two. <laughs> oh my love God. talking well, about it. We don't we don't want to. Tax that poor audience too much. <laughs> you know, I. But anyway, I'll, 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 it's not that we don't I'll already. This Beethoven turned two hundred and fifty, though. That's true. I'm you know, going to say once. I, I, uh, yeah, at I'll, least once. At least, at least once. once. Only. Yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you uh, an experience that I that I had, and I have only really thought this twice in my in my life. Once doing uh, Eroica, and then once doing um, Schubert Nine, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got about. Halfway through the second movement, conducting it, and I was like, "I'm tired. Mm. I'm really tired." Yeah, and I have this. This isn't even half over yet. Yeah, yeah, it's a beast. The All right, well, uh, is like half an hour. Thank you for thank you guys for entertaining my super nerdy uh, th- throwdown nerd moment, and I, I I'm glad that I have uh, sparked some. Some uh, some new thinking about this. Although Brand- Brandon still seems skeptical, I have to work on Brandon. So no, no, no I no understand what you're saying. I just I don't I don't know that I'm I'm convinced that I would do that. All right, fair <laughs> enough. And I and I think and I think it's um I think it's what's what's important is the debate and the and to have some sort of rationale. So anyway, good. Matt, shall we move on to our main topic? We're a solid third into the show. Oh, wow. We haven't really actually gotten to our, our well, official okay. topic for the We've day. been talking about fun stuff, I think. No, yeah, yeah, no, it's this is good. The it's Beethoven nerdy stuff yeah. is, is awesome. But today, today's show is all about um, auditions. Uh, mm. Mostly probably going to focus on graduate school auditions, uh, but maybe get into a little bit of auditioning for jobs and stuff like that. Things to think about when picking a program, what to do when you're doing the auditions, preparations, and all that kind of happy stuff. So... The process of going through and picking a school and kind of considerations that you want to um, you want to focus on when choosing. Um, who wants to who wants to jump on that one first? Which Matt? Which Brandon would like to start? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Um, you know, making coffee. Yeah, yeah. Make, yeah it's Manoa's too busy answers. brewing you're, you're, beverage. You're, you're, you're making you're making my coffee. Making your coffee. That's right. You answer. I'll make your coffee. Oh, <laughs> please. Thank you. Um, I think for me the the. The thing that I'm most concerned with at, at choosing this school, I mean, it, it, it it's all first and foremost, you know, it, it's about where you get in to, you know, um, as someone who has failed many an audition and many application, um, as we all have, you, 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 you kind of have to, you, you, you do have to kind of have your own best interests at heart in, especially if it's, if it's somewhere that you had, had gotten into, um, 
just choosing a place that I think is going to be the most suited to your your needs. You know, there are people who choose schools that I will not say the names of that are I don't I don't necessarily consider them schools. I consider them factories because everyone who comes out of those particular programs are going to look the same and conduct the same and sometimes they're going to have absolutely no originality to them and I and I feel maybe a little bad saying that because there are places that kind of sort of tear down mm. your your persona to fit what what places are looking for right and I, and I think that speaks to you need to really pay attention to who the teacher is yep and and how they go about teaching and and always um, you know even all the way up to the interview process you're still making that decision do you want to go there yep. and you're kind of interviewing that mm -hmm. teacher yep. and that program so when you before you get to the interview process what are some things um, and I'll throw this to anybody but you want to jump on it start with it McKeever but um, what are some things you can do to kind of feel out what kind of style the teacher has to you know to see are they kind of like a factory teacher like you were saying or are they going to be a little bit more open to you embracing your own style I think that you you have to gauge a lot of that through the audition and like what what is said through the audition and through the interview and really kind of feel that out in the interview. But that's nothing you can do before. I mean, I think you you can do research on the on the mm. teacher. You know, um, you m most conductors these days are are going to have like a, a YouTube channel or a couple things on YouTube. Mm -hmm. If you if you can you know. Ask questions of other mentors that you may have in the industry. You know, for instance. Um, a very, very good friend of mine and a mentor that I've had for the majority of my life was was the person who suggested the University of Utah. And, and it's not that the school hadn't been on my radar before because it had, but um, having that that confirmation that really that is that is a, a place to be. Mm. Um, I mean, this 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 school is is a hidden gem to be very honest for the amount of, of, mm. of podium time that you get, the amount of personal time that you get with, with your instructor. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I've felt more comfortable at this school than I had at any school that I've ever attended. Your, well, your I was just very good. Yes, they are. Yeah. I, well, I would, I would concur. I mean, we, and obviously we all, we all chose to be here. So, uh, we, we've, we've had good experiences with it, but I think that speaks to, to Baldwin and the program he's made. Uh, one of the things I would say is do workshops, mm. you know, go to workshops and talk with people who, um, are in, in programs right now. And, uh, so if you like, say if you're an undergrad and you're looking to do a, a master's, go to a workshop, uh, maybe your summer or your junior year and um, between your junior and senior year mm. and, and talk to some people and sort of get, get a sense of what they're doing. And, um, but the key thing is to ask the right questions. And that is like, is the teacher going to give you, you know, a lot of attention or are you going to be kind of left to your own devices besides your own lessons? Mm. And then, you know, the whole aspect of like, you know, taking a look at their students, do they all look the same or, or are they kind of, you know, their unique styles allowed to, to emerge. I think that's an important thing to consider. But I think also, like, how many how many students do they take? Yeah, you know, exactly. is, is the program just filled with, like, tons and tons of graduate students? And so you're fighting to, to find uh, your, your way through that. 
um, have you know being forced to. And there's nothing. I mean, I encourage people to put their own ensembles together, but you shouldn't have to only do that. No, I think you need to have a decent amount of time with the school orchestras. You know, I also <laughs> think that there is something to be said. As much as there's something to be said that you, if you have a teacher who is also you know in the professional realm, um, and maybe this is not not incredibly. Uh, you know, apt during the time of COVID, but you know, if a, if a if there's a teacher at a university who is also you know balancing a professional orchestra that they have to do you know during the days, it's it's really a question of of where do you fall into their into their plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's um, a great thing to think about. Mm, very you know, important. You and and like what is going to be their primary focus? Is their primary focus in life going to be mm-hmm. on on teaching, or is it? That's what they're doing also while they are, you know, making six figures conducting a professional orchestra, yeah. you know, mm. five days a week. Now, now, if they involve you in that professional orchestra mm. and that's part of your your work, well, then that's that's a different story. But, yeah. you know, that, that speaks to, like, what is their role in terms, what is their component of their life that teaching is involved with? Um, and I just got to say one thing I, I like about the, I like about the Utah program was the uh, the fact that Dr. Ball was the conductor for Salt Lake Symphony. Correct. But that was part of what I would do. And, yep. and you, you guys both did that. Yep. So it's um that's a that's a plus. It so is. That's when that's when an outside thing is actually a net benefit to you. Uh, Brandon, what what are your what are your thoughts about like uh, you've done this re- uh, relatively recently. Um, what what are your thoughts yeah. about like when when you went through that process of of trying to suss out what a teacher's like? I know you and I actually had conversations that was part of your process. But besides talking to me, what what did you do? Yeah, and, and you know I would agree with everything that's been said so far. I think for me one of the things um, I want to know is uh, like Matthew's saying. I want to know how involved are they in the real world of what's happening with conducting an orchestra now, but. Um, I also want to know what their philosophy around music is, and I want to know what kind of musician are they. Um, you know, if, if if they have a certain level of passion for the music, and, and that's you know their whole goal is to serve the music, that's important to me. Um, if it's if their goal is to serve themselves, I don't want I don't want to hang out with that person. You know, and I don't think I'm going to learn from that person. And you know, being an older student, I'm in a different phase of my life anyway, and so you know. I'm not like a young kid right out of grad school who doesn't really understand where all the BS is sometimes. Right. And you get kind of these false images of these guys or women. And, um, you know, you can kind of be starstruck sometimes or you're sort of just steamrolled by their personalities. And, and uh, you know, being where I am, I can see through that. I'm just, you know, that doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I need somebody that I can work with comfortably um, that can meet me at my level of musicianship and musicality, even though I may not have all of the skills yet to lead the professional orchestras, but I'm enough of a musician at this point that I know what good, mu- what good music is and what it should be, uh, in, well, of course, in my opinion. And um, it's important that we kind of share those common musical values. So that's one of the things that I look for, for sure. Um, and I want to see how they treat their musicians, um, if they're kind of a tyrant. From the podium and fortunately a lot of those people are departing the world of conducting but um you know there still are those people that are sort of like well i'm at the podium i'm in charge i'm the god of this program 
And, you know, I, I don't appreciate that. And I don't mm. think the musicians appreciate that. They respond, but sometimes mm. it's out of fear. And I, I don't think that's productive. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just got to say, uh, I, you know, just to put a finer point on that, being being a tyrant can get results. You know, mm. you, you can you can you can do that. But it's, it's just I don't want to live with that. But I don't want to I don't want to hang around that. That's just toxic. At what cost? I yeah. Mean, what, at it, what cost? And you can you can get results in so many other ways. And I think, unfortunately, people confuse anger and and that kind of rage with strength and they confuse it with competence and it's not i mean you can be rage filled and competent but you can also be not rage filled and competent and that certainly i think it's counterproductive to teaching um uh, it may it may get results on the podium out of that kind of fear and like brandon said it, it is disappearing but be on the lookout for that and, and don't don't get as as, as, you, as brandon said gets sort of sucked into their personality orbit you know pay, pay attention to what what actually your experience might be yeah yeah i mean i think it's it's very very valuable of what you're saying and i do think that it's on its way out but i'm not entirely sure if it's on its way out as fast as as we think it is yeah. you know and i'll and i'll say this like almost you know a couple of weeks before i ended up moving out here you know last summer summer of 2019 um, i was having a conversation with a, a friend who had just finished his uh, doctorate at a at a very prestigious university, as well. And uh, I asked him what his experience was, and and he just said, you know, I I you know I'm done, but you know I'll I'll, I'll I might need therapy. Yeah. Okay. I've heard the same thing. Oh so, my! I've Lord. had people tell me not to go to certain schools of yeah. famous teachers, but but I want to introduce kind of a, a counter, uh, kind of another consideration, if you will, that. A lot of the quote-unquote big shots out there are are big shots, not necessarily because they are um, tyrants or because sure. they, they they you know subscribe to this this uh, sort of authoritarian approach, but um, but because they really do have something to offer. So so I, I was cautioned once by a teacher that it. It's okay to understand and to to know that an environment can be toxic. That a, a teacher may not be um, as democratic uh, or as as kind as, as we would want. Um, but we're only going to be there for two or three years, uh, and so it becomes you know a question of balance and of, of what do we want and how do we want to approach that. And so, uh, in some ways, I, I will I will admit I think about this a lot. Um, I will admit that. Part of me wishes that I had sought out some of those more well-known figures uh, in my audition process, if only to gain the experience of auditioning for them mm-hmm. or attempting to, but but also because you know it's it's not on them to 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 necessarily uh, it's not on any of us to to determine how somebody feels about something. I think you know like they they're in those positions because purportedly they've earned them uh, and they have something to offer and we can go study with them and take take the stuff that we want to take and 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 not be the same person I think that that's possible yeah um, having said that if if it's not the right fit it's not the right fit and so I want to emphasize that too like Absolutely. it has to be you know the right individual fit yeah and if it's not it's not and not everybody is you know destined to be that kind of uh, star figure, and it's, it's probably a rare thing, actually, to, to be that uh, well-known or that um, prominent. Um, well, but there's still something to be gained, I think, by, by at least seeking that out. 
Well, hold on. But you know, one one of the things is that I wanted to say is that absolutely, <clears throat> you can be tough, and mm-hmm. and I don't want to confuse like tough with being a tyrant because you can be tough without being a tyrant. Mm-hmm. You can be tough, have mm. very high expectations, and have no problem letting somebody do- know about it without tearing somebody down. Mm-hmm. Right, without breaking down their spirit. Exactly. You know, exactly. And and I think. And like you said, people who are at the top of this industry are there for mostly for a good reason. And I think that you have uh, you, you have a lot to, to gain from that. But the, the the thing is, is that I think sometimes people get they they, they, they confuse that toughness that we want mm. that that exact that exacting uh, holding to a standard that you get that you want mm. from a teacher with uh, with rage and that kind of angriness. So. I, I'm sorry. I have I have, I have three points. All right, I, I'm, I'm gonna. It's okay. I, I talked to one. There's there's a there's. I'm having a lot of coffee today. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. What I, do you think about that? I, uh, I just I just had the siphon. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's brighter. Mm. And I actually feel there's like a little bit of a of a, a smoke to it. Mm. Like that's. I think that might be what was the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the, the savory. The it's like a savory, savory meatiness. Yeah. yeah. Um, wait, wait till the wait till the stuffing part comes in. It's oh, good. great! Have <laughs> some well, mm. cranberry coffee. It could also just be the the, the subtler qualities of the of the roast. Yeah, the bean it's, coming it's, through it's, in that it's, form. It's fabulous. I, I I literally like 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 I just like felt like this instantaneous warmth in my mm. entire body. And you're body. levitating a little bit. I, I am. Just, should yeah. let the people at home become know. the Buddha. He's, he's off the ground like four inches. Okay, your um, points. You so have three points. I, I have I have I have three points and and. You know, one of them is going to be is going to be uh, a, a, probably a topic that we can we can kind of elaborate on if anyone has ever been in the situation. But the first point that I that I'm going to make is, you know, there is an experiential like learning process that we've learned, and, and talking piggybacking on what Larry said about you know toughness. You know, I think that sometimes people get into uh, uh, just a, a comfortability of, of being who they are and are unwilling to to step outside of the comfort zone to learn, which if you're not going to step outside of your comfort zone, there, mm-hmm. there is, you're not going to learn anything. Mm-hmm. You have to learn in an environment where you're uncomfortable, but not in panic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are like the three like sort of levels, like comfortable, you know, uncomfortable, but are still like learning and then, and then panic mode. And I feel that there, there is, sometimes a little bit of a fine line between how we feel between the uncomfortable learning stage and panic mode. Mm. Um, and it, it's up to the student, but it's also up to mm. communication with the teacher in being able to determine, you know, what value you're, you're getting or what experience you're getting and what you're trying to come away with versus if you're just on the podium the whole time being yelled at, at doing everything wrong, but you don't have any feedback on one, how to do something right, or two, if there is anything that is going mm. right. You know, I've 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 been That's in point. I've been in workshops and in other other things where, you know, if the teacher doesn't say anything to you about something, it means that you've done something right. But I don't learn well that way. I mm. learn well with with feedback in either a positive or a negative connotation. You need to have it reinforced. Exactly. Positive. Exactly. Yeah, and I sure. and I think that sometimes we we kind of gloss over the fact that positive reinforcement is yeah. a thing that we actually all. It's a very good way pro- to learn. Probably yeah. we probably we do need. Yeah. You know. We need both. Um, a question that I do have, and this is 
point number two mm. is there seems to be this trend now, and I have actually discussed this with Brandon and um, and Dr. Baldwin as well, of not academic conductors now taking academic positions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I kind of want to know your guys' thoughts on that, because some someone at some point in their life had had a, a, a you know a big prestige. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with a with a, a, a large orchestra, a professional orchestra, and they have now taken a, a university position. Um, you know, what does that say about the, the the pedigree that you're going to come away with at that point? Hmm. Oh well, I mean, I would you just would take that teacher's experience. Um, you know, that in other words, that teacher's experience would help inform you as their mm-hmm. student. Um, they just have to, I think it would be important for them to understand that, and hopefully before they got hired, they would have a good understanding of that it's a different environment than the, than the professional orchestra world. But I think, I mean, I think that would be, uh, I would love to study uh, with a teacher like that. That would be, that'd be, you know, like I said, it all depends on the experience they had. But I don't, I don't know how common. I don't see them as separate worlds so much. Oh, okay. You know, I think, I don't think, I, you're right, I don't think it is, you're going to say you don't think it's particularly common. Well, I was going to go somewhere else, but you go ahead. Oh, I was, what I was, what I was going to say is that, you know, usually people kind of focus on one or the other. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I love teaching. And so that's why I got, went and pursued the doctorate to do that. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to work with professional workers, you don't necessarily need the doctorate. So you, maybe you don't have that advanced degree, but you have the life experience that you can draw upon. Mm. And it's and it's about do you have those pedagogical skills? Can you can not only know what to do, but communicate what you want other people to do to, to help them learn. So if you have the teacher ability, even if you don't have the doctorate, I think that that person like that would be a fine teacher. Mm. I agree. My my concern with that is, uh, well, if if these professional, you know, if these if these men and women who have been on the professional orchestra conducting circuit suddenly decide, decide that they want to take a step back from that, but they still want to conduct and they want to pass on their knowledge. If they all start deciding to, or if the market's just really bad in the orchestral world and, and there's a there's this glut of, of conductors who don't have work all of a sudden, I think the hiring committees on colleges are more likely to hire those folks because they have more experience than they are to hire somebody like us who is fresh out of school, really, just a few years of professional experience, maybe, and... Yeah, uh, they they're looking. These university hiring committees are probably looking for somebody to helm a program from that point of prestige. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my concern. Is is what does that do to the market? Ah, well. uh, yeah, <laughs> and and I've literally heard several people say, yeah. "Oh yeah, you know this person they." You know, for whatever search I was involved in, you know, maybe I was a semifinalist or I just got a no or didn't never hear back from the search at all, which happens a lot. Uh, I really appreciate the ones that say, you know, we've decided to go with other candidates. Absolutely thank you, with you on thank that. you, university hiring committees, any hiring committees who actually take the time to tell the candidates who have bothered to apply and spent the time to apply uh, that uh, you've gone another way. Um, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Guys? You're talking. You're talking about like the, the fact yeah. that you know, uh, you know, what hiring committees are looking for. Yes, and the professional experience versus the person who has oh, the degree. Oh, yeah. Several, I've had several individuals involved in these hiring committees tell me, um, you know, we're looking for either some, you know, some some somebody who's looking for a retirement gig, quote, or some new person that we don't have to pay much. Yeah, 
and that's that's the reality for some of these searches. It, it is it is a tough it is a tough thing. We're kind of getting into the job search yeah, aspect sorry. of yeah, the show, that, but that, those are auditions too. <laughs> but those are auditions too. But um, we're, we're and getting, that's why we go to college to, to get jobs. We're getting a little we're getting a little long on time, so I do want to I do want to get juice. into some of the nuts and bolts if yeah. I can. Yep. Switch topics. Please. So when you're actually uh, you know you get you get an audition. You know, and or you find a school that you want to do, and you want to uh, get things ready. And if you've not done this before, a lot of things to consider. Of course, writing a cover letter, get someone to edit your cover letter, mm-hmm. um, keep it relatively short. Uh, mine has gotten a little wordy over the years. I guess it's because I'm, I'm I, as I age, I do more stuff, and I yeah. try to. Oh, I really need to say this. I really need to say this. But you gotta you gotta be careful about not putting too much into your cover letter when you apply. Yeah, I, I will piggyback on that as well. I think that depending on what you're looking for, I think that you can have a generalized cover letter for like something like grad school. But I think when you get into to jobs, if you're writing cover letters for jobs, you need to take a couple things from like the specific of the job that they're oh, yes. they're asking for, and then tailor it a little bit. Yeah. You know. Um, well, they'll say in the application, you know, speak, you know, we want an applicant who has this, this, this experience. Yep. You should speak to that experience that you have Correct. in your cover letter. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and if you, you don't should, have that experience, you probably shouldn't apply it, for the job. Even if they don't say it, there's, you can read between the lines on those, on those postings and yeah. you can tell what they're looking for. And you yep. can, you can, I think you should, I think we all should customize our cover letters and resumes, everything that we send for every institution. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes a difference. I agree. It's a bit time consuming, it but it's, it's, a it's worthwhile. Job. But yeah. it's a pain. Uh, and and you're you're right. Graduate schools tend to be more, you know, homogenous. Is they're all kind of basically the same. But yeah. that being said, uh, when I applied here, um, one of the things, you know, Salt Lake Symphony being a community orchestra, one of the things I highlighted was the fact that I had founded a community orchestra, and I kind of had, a, I have a sense of how that mm. kind of ensemble works. And I don't know if Dr. Baldwin found that. Uh, you know, uh, important in his decision to bring me on as his assistant, uh, but I, f- I felt like it was something important mm-hmm. to highlight. So there are sometimes things, especially at the doctoral level, if there's an assistantship and there's a, an actual job that's part of it. I have, I think there, there's one thing I can add, which is there's another reality to this, which is the funding situation. Even even when colleges, even when we're not in COVID times and colleges or universities are, are you know, they're, they're in a spreading a surplus and they've got plenty of money to go around. Uh, even when that's the case, music departments are often the ones that get the least funding, or the arts departments, I'll say. Humanities tend to be a little bit on the lower side of receiving university funding, I think. And um, what a orchestra director or conducting professor may choose to do each year, I think, depends on what's available. If, if you have a certain funding, if you have a certain amount of funding allotted for your program, and you have three people audition. You're going to take the best one because you want to use that funding. You want to show that that's being used and that you want to get the funding for next year. Because if you if you start turning down money in the department, they're just going to stop offering. You know, right? You time. don't do that. Right? You can't do that. So so, what I guess what I'm saying is, there are there are times when when teachers or professors have to make compromises in who they're taking based on the available funding. Okay. Yeah. And well, so yeah, and, and and so that I think if if we're looking at from from an auditioner's perspective, we're looking at what's the best choice of where to go. Sometimes it's worth going to a place where you're getting more funding mm-hmm. as a student, and maybe you're not as impressed with the teacher or the program, mm-hmm. uh, because there is a lot to say for not going into massive amounts of debt. Well, right. And I was I was going to say. Um, 
that's that's a, that is an important factor to consider. You got a lot of things to balance. You could go to a really big name school and be one of one of a thousand and pay your pay your own way. Yeah, and you you have that experience with that teacher, and that that could be helpful too. But then if you can get a program that has an assistantship, that experience is really important, especially if you're mm-hmm. if you don't if you're going into it. Uh, not like Brandon, who is who is going into it after having experience in the real world, but if you're going to kind of going straight through school and you're going into a graduate program, if you get that TA that has some teaching experience, yeah. even if it's not like, you know, exactly like if you don't like the, the TA that we all got was really amazing because we got to conduct as part of it. We got to work with Salt Lake Symphony, but even if you're if you're being the TA for a class that's not necessarily in your field or something like that, you're still getting teaching experience. You're still getting that professional level of experience and that can that kind of thing not only helps pay your bills mm-hmm. but it helps you get a job yeah, afterwards. So don't that, don't yeah. uh, don't discount the, the the TA. I think that's an important real important thing to consider, especially at the doctorate level. I really think it's important. Really, I mean for anyone who's applying for things, I would I, I especially masters and doctoral programs, I would say honestly if you're if you're really paying your way, you're not doing it right. Mm. Yeah. Well I, I, I don't I don't. I wouldn't quite and go that I know, far. I, it, it, but... it might, I, I, I might be, you know, eating my words later. But... Well, there's, there's always <laughs> been those who, who have the means to do that, well, and, and if that's the case, then I don't see a problem with that. Um, well, yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. What, what I was just going to say. I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that um, you want to try to to get it, get a TA, but. There could be that year, like mm-hmm. you said, there's one TA that gets funded, but the teacher will take two more students. If you really like that program, really like that st- teacher, and you feel like you're going to get the kind of attention you need, and you can do it. Not everybody has the means to get loans or just have the savings. Mm-hmm. Then maybe it's it's worthwhile. I, I don't want to. I wouldn't go so far as to say you, if you don't get a TA, don't bother. Mm-hmm. But it's just one factor to consider. But if you don't get a TA. Still talk with the teacher. Make sure that you understand that you're still going to have an important role in the studio. You're still going to get the podium time, which any good program would do that with. Yeah. But it's it's all it's a balancing act, and these are all things yeah. we have to consider in everybody's personal situation. Uh, we were all fortunate to get the TAs. Uh, Brandon, did you want to jump in here? Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I agree with what's being said completely on on both sides of that. Um, I think it's important especially for grad school, I think it's important that if you can find the funding to help you do that, you should, because, you know, you're not in it that long. Mm-hmm. Um, the program is pretty short and it's over before you know it. And it is, is it worth eighty, a hundred thousand dollars of debt just for a couple of years? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that it is because the job market is so questionable and mm-hmm. so competitive and you don't know what's going to happen as soon as you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it may take you a couple of years before you can land your first gig. Uh, as a music director someplace or at a college level. So, you know, you just got to be prepared for that reality. And then I would say, just like with any job um, when applying for grad schools, is don't give up. Don't get frustrated because you're going to get a lot of rejections. Oh, yeah. Um, I know we probably all went through that. I applied for seven grad schools and got rejection letters immediately from five. Mm. So so you you just never know. And, uh, um, you know, you might be surprised, which is great. um, But you can't take it personal. Um, you know, because you never know exactly what it is they're looking for in the people that they choose to take for their programs. So, and I think that's, that's what I would add. I think that's I think that's a great a great additional comment. It's like don't don't let that for, that first couple of rejections think oh I, nobody wants me because you like, every, teachers are all looking for something specific yeah. too. And um, like I said with here, maybe my community orchestra experience was something that Dr. Bowman found particularly 
attractive because of the Salt Lake Symphony. I, I don't know if I've ever asked him that. Maybe, maybe I have. But anyway, um, so let's hey, Larry, to- I just I just have one additional comment. Yeah, maybe ahead. this is a conversation for another another uh, mix up with uh, with all of you. But um, we should talk about your video. And oh yes, oh I'm getting into that. And how how that might play into the auditioning for or against you, or you know how do you how do you even get a good video when you're like in my situation where I was coming from a background of not having any conducting experience in front of an orchestra? How do you do that so mm. that <laughs> you could try to convince somebody at an orchestral level that they should take you? That, so that's absolutely a thing I was planning on talking about. In fact, we can just go ahead and move on yeah, to that right yeah, now because. Because we're, we're getting right. into like the sort of the things you need to have. So we talked about the cover letter, but video is very important. Um, uh, one of the one of the best ways to get it if you don't. So I I had an I was working already for ten years before I went back to get my doctorate. So I had an orchestra that I could video get video with. But the other way to do it is to do workshops. Mm. And yep. this is this is probably the best way to do it because you are going to be conducting an ensemble that sounds good first of all usually usually, usually yeah you, you want to you want to check that out before you go to the workshop make sure that they're they're decent uh, but you can do and you can do rep that you wouldn't maybe normally get to do even if you do have access to like a school ensemble or something like that you, you're not going to na- maybe necessarily be able to do American in Paris or whatever uh, so yeah I think I think workshops is the way to go but but that's definitely something to um, to make sure you plan for now if you don't Want to do workshops? Say, say you got something kind of last minute. Matt's over there singing and distracting me. I'm, Stop it! And now I'm thinking about whiskey. I'm sorry. What? You need a crown mute, and it's what it literally is. It's a crown royal whiskey bag that goes over the bell of your trumpet to play that solo. I'm talking about the this, trumpet solo in. Ah, uh, uh, okay, American yeah. This, con- this conversation is like my mind is like. Sorry, my American mind. My mind just kind of like went out one of my ears. Okay. Well, I when I've had I got too much doing. coffee, I, I tend to just open different doors in my yeah. brain. Larry, why don't, why don't you and I just talk, Larry? Yeah, let's <laughs> let's. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So you, you guys go things? make some more coffee. <laughs> no, sit back down. All right, Matt, Matt's Matt's gonna go use the facilities. All right. Oh, uh, we chased we, we chased Matt away. All we right. did. We did. But no, yeah, video 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 is very important. So workshops. I don't know. I think it's probably the best way to do it if you if you aren't like if you're in a master's program looking for a doctorate, obviously you can use your school orchestra to get video, of course. But if you're an undergrad, you know maybe you can get get your undergrad orchestra to do it. Um, you can always you know get your friends together, give them some pizza, put an ensemble together. You know what? This is this is conductor's brew. We can legitimately say it, Larry. It's yes. Pizza and beer. Pizza and beer. Okay. It, if you're already over. 20, this is Utah, Matt. This is if you're over twenty one. <laughs> You could do pizza and beer. Pizza, beer, and Diet Coke. So the graduate students get beer. Yep. The undergraduates. Get Everyone gets or for the Ut- Or for the Utahns out there, it's pizza and root beer. Pizza, ooh. And jello, apparently. I actually love pizza and root beer. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, you put put together a pickup orchestra, and you don't have to put together a Brahms-size orchestra. No. You There is tons of rep that you can do that can give you good tape. Tape. Look at how old I am. Good video. I use tape. I know, right? Yeah. You're You're an old soul. But uh, get good video, and uh, you know, I'm thinking, uh, oh, what, just like, uh, well, if you can get people who can do the um, um, uh, Appalachian Spring, Appalachian reduced, Spring, Stravinsky Octet. Yep. Um, you know, I did uh, for my for my very first tape, I did Holberg Suite. Ooh, okay. And if you got some chumps, maybe you could do parts of Soldier's Tale. That yep. doesn't take that many people either. I mean, I wouldn't do the whole thing. Because then you need narrators, but anyway, but there's lots of rep out there for small for small groups. Did you have, Kiva? Do you have any experience putting together a group like that? I did. Um, 
uh, I was two years, about, about a year and a half into studying with a private teacher um, who uh, I, I credit to this day of, of, of being like a, a very big a very big component in my in my conducting career. He he really helped me a lot, um, and you know, uh, it didn't it didn't come without some some hard times. But you know, again, like pushed me to really really be the best that I could in the moment. Um, and I will tell you this: I <laughs> I tried to do the Stravinsky octet, and I could not find eight people whose schedules could align for like four months and it was just, it was an awful experience of trying to do that but I was able to convince enough um, string players whether it be at the university uh, or community um, to to come in and and play Holberg suite for me yeah. did a three-hour um, session where I rehearsed them for I think an hour and a half we took a little break we did what we would call like a performance style um, uh, where it was just kind of like me not rehearsing but just conducting and then a little workshop-esque um, portion at the end. Yeah. So um, it was all incredibly valuable. Yeah. Worth the $60, not maybe it wasn't $60, maybe like $30 of Costco pizza that I had. There you go. You know, and then take home a lot of leftovers. <laughs> That's right. You get pizza you leftovers some and Costco some good pizza. video. Costco pizza, man. I'm judging you for that. I'm Why? Sorry. Why? It's Costco, man. It's delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. It's delicious. It's big. All right. Well, it's cheap. Yeah. You've for the price, man, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. I mean, it's better than doing the $5 Domino's, man. Oh, that's true. No, sorry, not Domino's. Little Caesars. Caesars. That's it. That's it. All right. Did I I tell you my my credit card number got stolen last week? No. No, somebody tried to buy $28 or something worth of Domino's in New York. Oh, okay. What's your new number? Uh, Hang on. I'll tell you later. See, uh, he almost (laughs) fell for it. All right. Anyway, um, so, uh, great. So, yeah, yeah, we got to get video. And uh, the other thing I thought about is if you're applying to a workshop, you might need some video for that. So, Mm -hmm. It's really important if you can get some kind of group together, but even if it's just a string quartet, mm-hmm. really, they don't obviously need a conductor. But you can do Ina Klein and mm-hmm. music. Yep, anything that shows you with you know your ability to lead and your and your movement technique is gonna is gonna help get you into a workshop. And um, even if you um, well, Brandon, let me ask you for the workshop you did with Charles. Did did you require video for that? Uh, you know, I think I sent in. He did. Um, but I didn't have anything with an orchestra, and so I actually sent in um, a a thing I was conducting with a choir uh-huh. for, for uh-huh. A, a holiday program that I had conducted um, as a choir conductor, and so I sent that in, and he accepted that. Yeah, and I and I think that that just you know it speaks to the fact that your your movement and your musicality yeah. and yeah, that works. So 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 you don't have to think I have to have a Brahms symphony, you know, on video before I can apply for a workshop. There are ways to get it done. You, may, you might have to buy a lot of Costco pizza, right. but you can figure out a way to do it. Find find somebody in your school that, that's willing to help you put it together. All right, well, we're getting a little lot, uh, long on time. I want to talk a bit about things you should, tips you should have when you get to the audition. Okay. Um, and here's here's what I got. My first thing is shower. Yes, oh. take a shower. Okay, good. That is actually the first thing. Put on clothing. Wear pants. Okay. Uh, no, but... <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, sorry. But once once you're fully clothed and you have your your professional attire on, be teachable. You know, I can't think of a teacher. Well, maybe there are, but I can't think of a teacher who wants to have somebody who auditions who comes in there without this attitude of being willing to change, 
and be flexible. Yeah. Because why are you going to school if you're not interested in being taught? Yeah. So, um, I, I, as part of my audition uh, for here at the U, um, I had a lesson, and mm-hmm. we went over stuff, and so we, we learned. I went learned how he taught, but he also wanted to learn how I learned. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need to be teaching, you need to be open, um, and even on the podium. You know, I, I imagine people do. Um, this, this is probably a, has a wider variety in terms of difference between schools. And my experience is it was that way. Sometimes they want you to rehearse. Sometimes they don't. But you need to be prepared to rehearse. Yep. Absolutely. You never know. And 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 when you're up there, you know, f- find, do the research in the piece. Find the spots that are likely to be problems. Mm. And maybe that orchestra doesn't really have a problem with that. But at least you've got three or four things that you know in your mind that are usually the harder spots. And be prepared to just know what that is. Yeah. On that note, I think it's really important to have an opinion. And not just to be able to yes. get through the piece, but to have thoughts about how it should go and what, what you think your what what you think it sounds like. Great you know, something within reason of course, but but uh, but an opinion about how it goes, showing that you're 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 a musician, you're a leader. Absolutely. Great example of this. Beethoven Symphony One. I auditioned. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. Booking. I auditioned. That was an audition piece for me once, oh. and I had an opinion, uh-huh. as we've already heard, about how to do that transition. And they had been doing it the the, the way you guys were talking yeah. about with yeah. with making the thirty seconds like a sixteenth. And I said, look, this is my this is my opinion. This is the way I want to do it. Um, so I'm, this is we're going to do it this way. And they they did it. You know. So anyway, that's a good example. Um, you know, if we're talking about tips. Uh, if you can find this on a video beforehand, like if you can find a video of the orchestra performing, learn the setup. Hmm. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you know, because oh, the strings point. set yeah. up. Yeah. Very good point. And it, it may even be worth asking the professor there how they sit. If yep. there's, if the and I, and I, actually, I actually did yeah. that in my, in my great interview and, and lesson with, with Baldwin. Yeah, um, where the brass is. You, you, the you can ask are. that even even once you get the audition to say, just let me know how, how do you have your strings set up. Oh. Yeah. That's something that actually brings up a good point. The second I get into a room, the rehearsal room, for an audition, I'm looking at the orchestra. I'm thinking, where's principal fruit, flute, fruit? Where's, where's the principal flute? Where are the principals, the wind principals? Where's where's that wind quartet? Uh, how are the strings set up? Where are the basses? Where are the cellos, etc.? Where are the horns? The horns tend to first? move around. They, they do. They, they can be in the box. They can be in a row in the back. They can be in the other side. Who knows? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's kind of general, really, to, to say, you know, study your score. Yeah. But I also say, like, study your score in terms of if you can kind of sort of know some instrumentation or kind of know spe- some specific things about um, the instruments. Because, like, for example, mm. if there's, like, a piece or, like, a moment in your piece that might have, like, you know, traditionally a drop drop C bass, mm-hmm. you know, look to see if any of your basses have, have you know, uh, any, a yeah. C extension. Or... You know, if you know the instrumentation or the key of which, you know, your brass are playing and look to see if your trumpets are playing, you know, B flats or C's or D's or Or if you're missing instruments. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes college orchestras are missing instruments. And and here's another thing is sometimes you get told what the audition rep is. Sometimes you get to choose. It depends on how it works. Um, And so you want to make sure you know what what forces that school has and you don't ask to play something that they can't Mm -hmm. do. Uh, hopefully the teacher would say, "Yeah, no, we can't do that." So uh, pick something well, right. else. But you know, like, you want to you want to make sure you're you don't. They might be offended that you didn't bother to check with, yeah. what their orchestra had. So check before you mention it. You know, I, I can I can speak to that. You know, I was told for an audition that I did once prepare the entirety of Symphony Fantastique. Mm. Oh, and we did 
the first three movements, just excerpts from mm-hmm. the first three movements. So it's like, did I really need to prepare the last two movements? No, but now I have that score prepped. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's repertoire that we should have learned. Yeah, anyway. that's for when I have to have in your back pocket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any so any other thoughts? Oh, another one. Number your scores. Uh, number uh, your that, that was me, a that was a me, that me. was an issue. I'll say with a, a co auditioner yeah. of mine at the uh, school at one point. Oh yeah, uh, he did not have his scores numbered, and uh, and uh, he was asked to rehearse, and uh, he said, "Okay, let's go back into where the horns have the melody or something." Mm. And they're like, "What measures that?" And he's like, "I don't know. I don't have my score numbered." Oh, fail. Yeah. Oh, another thing. Remember those measures. Another thing. Sometimes in some famous pieces, I can't remember. Nothing specific comes to mind right now, but uh, try to get your hands on an errata list. Yeah. If there's if there's parts, if the orchestra is using certain parts, sometimes those older parts, those public domain parts, have bad misprints. True. And and. And make sure your your rehearsal letters. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like up. like like check check with the teacher because obviously if the teacher is going to tell you, hey, you have been invited for an audition, check with the teacher and yeah. be like, hey, Which, what yeah. what edition are they using? Yeah. And don't don't put it past a particularly sneaky teacher to ask a player to play a wrong note on purpose, especially if it's in the part. And then also, you should know. If it's actually a wrong note or if it's a misprint, the last thing we want to do in an audition setting is to blame a player when oh, yeah, yeah. when when it could just be a, a part issue, a, yeah. a publisher's issue. Exactly. Yeah. You, so you need to be humble. I mean, I think I think this is true. That's that's a lot. Like and the oh man, because you know you want to show that you're you're Mr. You know Smarty Pants yeah. and you've got it all figured out. The that, worst that always the, it's better to err on the other side than uh, than that. Well, there's um, the blaming. Yes, oh, there we go. We finally got we got some noise. I want to too quiet. I want to say I want to say one more, and then I, I feel like Brandon should also. Have some <laughs> yes, yes Brandon, you need to just <laughs> shout out more. We're, we're, we're not if, hearing enough Brandon's voice. If you, as the conductor, make a mistake. Don't ever blame anything no. on the orchestra. Yeah, you know. Oh take, gosh. Take a moment. Don't cover it up. Take a moment. Say my bad. You don't need to, and you don't need to go into like grave detail. I did this. I did this. Just be like, sorry, and, my bad. And again, you're applying to be a student. You're not expected to be perfect, but you have to show that you can recognize when you're wrong, so that you exactly. can correct. It. I think that's part of leadership. Yes, absolutely. And you don't want to be like you know, good leader. Beat your chest and like you know, whip yourself with the cat of nine tails or whatever. Like, oh my, you know, be like over yeah. overly dramatic about it. Just like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was my students may not know. Grad students will probably know. They've yeah. seen more conductors. Professionals always know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't. You can't hide it. No. You can't hide it. And it, you just you just come off looking just like, like a, a jerk. Fool. Yeah, Brandon. <laughs> Jump in here, man. Oh, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've just got two quick things. First, I'd say be yourself. Um, don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be some model conductor that you've been watching on YouTube. Don't try to Definitely. you know imitate somebody else. Just be the musician that you are. And the other thing I'd say is be friendly. Um, you know, it's hard because you've got so much going on in your head. You're nervous. You're standing on the podium in front of an orchestra you've never played before or played with before. Your, your baton is probably shaking and quivering a lot while you're trying to give a downbeat. Um, and that's okay. Everybody knows that. But just remember that, you know, despite the fact that there may be a few folks that are sort of there to try to trip you up, um, that's kind of a rarity. And really, everybody just wants to see you do a good job. Yeah. yeah. And be just... just 
be nice, smile, acknowledge your principal players. Um, if you can talk to any of them, if you have a chance to do that, you know, get to know them a little bit. It's, it's hard to do in such a short period of time, but um, you know, I remember when I auditioned uh, in the both both schools I auditioned for. Um, it was important for me to not only get to know my fellow auditionees, um, but I wanted to try to meet some of the players and just kind of get a feel for what do they like about the program mm. and how are they doing and how long have they been playing and um, and just try to try to have some sort of rapport with them because of course that helps mm. if you end up working with them anyway. Um, and like at the University of Utah, I ended up, of course, going there uh, or going here to the university. And when I finally started my first semester, I did have a couple of the players come up to me who were uh, at the audition that previous spring and said, hey, it's great to see you back. We really enjoyed mm. having you audition. And, um, you know, that was very that was very nice of them to do that. And I think had I had not taken the time to just acknowledge them and, and try to say hello and be friendly, you know, they may not have they would not have even cared, probably so. Uh, but agree. by and large, you know, despite the nerves and despite everything else going on, you got to just try to block that out. Focus on what you're doing and, and be your best self. Yeah, and the, the other thing is, like, everybody in that room has auditioned. Mm -hmm. Yep. Maybe not, not necessarily for conducting, but on their instrument. They all know what it's about to audition, and they don't expect you to be just cool and calm and collected all the time. I mean, you don't want to be overly, like... Oh, I'm so nervous and like, you know, self-deprecating to a fault. But at the same time, false confidence, people can smell that a mile away yep. and it and it just turns people off. And and that's that goes back to what we were saying before, like this this thing we have the conductors have to be this like tough person up on the box and you know, bossing people around. People don't want to see that, especially from a graduate student auditioner. You no. know? They they want to see somebody who is open, warm, wants to do a good job, wants to be there with them, wants to, you know, make the music as good as they can do it. But at the same time, is humble um, and will admit a mistake and not certainly not try to blame it on the orchestra. Um, okay, so we're, we're getting a little long on time. Uh, again, let's, let's get into man, final thoughts. Huh? Oh, man. We're longer on time. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I just, like, just do two more two Yeah, more you points, got it. Two more points. Go for it. Um, I, and one thing, you know, again, if, if you're, I'm just going to say this as a particularly nervous person and a mm. person who perspires profusely. Mm. I'm apparently all about alliteration today. Um, <laughs> profusely. Profusely perspires. Yeah. Uh, dark colors are fine. Don't never let someone tell you that dark colors for an audition are bad. Oh, for clothing. Oh. Yeah. No, I love dark colors. It's You're more visible, too. I think yeah. your hands are a dark more visible. Shirt, yeah. Yeah. Um, Good point. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about what to wear, did we? We did talk about wear pants. Well, we got well that you know, other than getting dressed. And, no, I mean, like, do you wear a jacket? Do you wear a tie? It's, 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 it's the question that I, that I deal with daily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would just say quickly... Uh, Air on the side of dressing up more. Absolutely, you yeah. Matt, I remember Manel. You showed up in a suit. I, oh, I, also I don't forget that. And you look, and you look. You're like, okay, this guy's on on the ball. Yep. Oh, thanks. Uh, you can take the jacket off when you get up on the box. Mm -hmm. I actually think uh, you know. I was actually told by 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 uh, another colleague. He says, you know, do your first part of your rehearsal no tie, but with the jacket on. And if you are expected to do a little actual rehearsal, then remove the jacket when it's time to get to work. Yeah. So you're saying option tie optional for men? I think it's tie optional um, for for being on the podium. I think the interview should probably be in the tie. Okay, I, I I would definitely say the interview for men is in a tie. Yep. Uh, you know, I, yeah, just professional attire for men and women, just business business yeah. attire. So the the last thing I, I want to say is I think if you're if you're expected to rehearse, um, or you're told that you can rehearse rather than just conduct something straight through, 
get through as much of the music as you can as possible, even if things go wrong. And the reason I say that is because they're still feeling you out. They're feeling your style out. You're feeling them out. There's, you know, are you feeling out? Are they a, a, a group that plays directly on the beat? Are you slightly ahead? Um, you know, they might react differently depending on, on who is up there. So, you know, I, I've heard stories of conductors who maybe get like two or three measures in before they start like rehearsing uh, something wrong. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's awful. You're not giving them a chance to see you and to feel you and vice versa. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to rehearse, try to get through a comfortable amount of music before you dive in. Yeah, and again, don't be don't be a smarty pants and show like, oh, I found an error. Oh, throw like a referee throw right, a flag. Right, I found right. another error. Like we know we messed up, but yep. we want to see you conduct. There, yeah. To that point, if if an orchestra messes up and it's the first time you've seen them or worked with them, they've seen you for for the first time. Whose fault is it? Hmm. Probably yours. Probably the conductor's. Yep. So stopping right away to fix something that was not the orchestra's fault, it looks. Uh, it shows a certain lack of self-awareness, mm -hmm. I think. And it also shows that you're not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I so, actually think it shows more insecurity than it I, does I agree. security. So yeah. what I was going to say to to rehearsal um, is, you know, take care of the obvious stuff. Like if something goes really wrong and you can get through it, you know, and you finish the exit you're supposed to do, great. I would say go back to the spot that was just a train wreck. And do it again without saying anything first. Mm -hmm. Just saying, let's you know, let's 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 try this again. And I bet it'll work. And if it doesn't, then you have to identify how to make it work. Right. right. That's and then it, it's on you. Yeah. And if it is a train wreck, don't don't try to power through. Like I mean, there's there's a fine line. Like if it really starts to crumble. <laughs> don't just like keep waving your arms until everybody stops playing. That's also <laughs> bad. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if somebody tacks a note or. A rule of rhythm's wrong. You don't have to hit every error. No. You just you you, you want to balance, like we said, showing some of your conducting and then going back and fixing things. And also another tip is ask ask the teacher how much rehearsal time do I have and what what's yeah. what's that option? Okay, Brandon, do you have final thoughts? No, I think that's good. I, I agree with you on that last point, Larry. That time management's really important. So know how much time you have, um, whether that's the audition. You certainly you can ask how you know how much time should I expect um, yeah. to be up in front of the orchestra um, and then keep, keep an eye on that. And then if you, if you find out in advance, practice that so that you're ready. And then, you know, that shows another, another point for you if you know how to have good time management. Yeah. The, the other thing, and, and Brandon, my final thought is, is you, uh, you mentioned be yourself and it sounds like a cliche, but it's really true. You, you want to show the teacher, you want to show the orchestra, your personality and you want to show them not how tough you are how smart you are you want to show them like what kind of what kind of a person you are are you a, someone who can be a colleague hmm. are you someone who they want to spend time with and not like you need to go up there and make a bunch of jokes and, and try to be everybody's best friend but are you going to come into the situation and are they going to see you as someone who is going to be a net asset to the group hmm. from a, uh, a personality standpoint like a like a like I said that that spirit of collegiality and that spirit of wanting to, yeah. to work with people um, I think yeah. that's will so, they, that's will so they want to play with you, huh? Will they want to play with you? Yeah, exactly. Do, do they want to like you know? Work? Yeah, exactly. Spend time with you. So, like I said, you know, you don't have to like make a bunch of jokes and be goofy and all that kind of stuff. Although I do that naturally. But, yeah, I mean that's my personality. Yeah, I know. Well. I, yeah, but you want to you want to you want to tone it down. But it's about just getting a feel for the space and and uh, like I said, they all know it's nervous. They all know uh, it's a nerve wracking thing. So 
you know, it is a job at the end of the day. Yep. Yes, can it is. They, everybody wants to know, can they do the job? <clears throat> yeah. And do they want and do they I want do. to be with you yes. while you're doing it? You know, do they want a colleague? And it doesn't I, always have to be fun. It's not always going to be fun, but it should be productive and it should be worthwhile. Yeah. All right. Well said. Well, guys, thanks so much. Uh, it's always a joy to be with the full crew, um, or at least a, a larger version of the crew. Um, so, all right. Anyway, that's uh, that's our show for today. Um, uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna do a little bit more Beethoven coming up in the next couple of weeks. So tune back in for that. Uh, but then, until next time, this has been Conductor's Brew with Larry Matt and crew and the crew and the Siphon Coffee. So anyway, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. And we will see you next week. Cheers.